You're listening to Midi Storytime, part of the Spare Change Library. This week we're reading the latest chapter of The Bride of the Tomb by Mrs. Alex McVeigh Miller. Tune in each week for the next chapter. Chapter 6 Mrs. Vance, there is an old woman downstairs, says she has brought the laces you wish to see, said a trim little serving maid at Mrs. Vance's door. Mrs. Vance looked up impatiently from her book. I have not ordered any laces at all, said the lady sharply. Send the lying old creature away, Agnes. The trim maid hesitated. You ought to look at them, Mrs. Vance, said she timidly. Such lovely laces I never saw. They are as delicate as sea foam and very cheap. I expect they are smuggled goods. Well, well, let her come up then, but I do not need any of her wares. Agnes went away and presently reappeared a moment at the door and ushered in old Haiti with a basket on her arm. The maid then left them together. Now then, said the lady sharply, what did you mean by saying I had ordered your laces? Oh, pretty lady, forgive an old woman's lies to the maids for the sake of getting in. I have bargains, lady. Lovely laces smuggled through the custom house without any duty. I can sell them to you much cheaper than the merchants can afford to do. Let me see them, then, said the lady, with apparent indifference. Old Haiti unpacked her wares and exhibited a small but fine assortment of real laces. Her prices were extremely low, and Mrs. Vance, though she pretended indifference, was charmed with their elegance and the small sum asked by the vendor. After a good deal of haggling, she selected several yards and paid for them in gold pieces taken from a silken netted purse through whose interstices gleamed many more pieces of the same kind. Old Hades' eyes gleamed greedily at the sight. Gold, gold, she muttered, working her claw-like fingers. Give me the purse, pretty lady. Mrs. Vance withdrew a step in amazement. Old woman, you are crazy. Go, leave the room this very instant. Give me the gold, still pleaded the miserly old hag. I will have you turned out of the house this minute, miserable old beggar, cried Mrs. Vance, moving toward the bell. Stop one moment, lady. I have something to say to you, a secret to tell you. You would not have me tell it before the servants, would you? said the old woman in such a meaning tone that Mrs. Vance actually hesitated with her hand on the bell rope. Say on, said she haughtily, and thinking to herself that the old lace vendor was insane. Bend closer, lady. The walls have ears sometimes. This is a terrible secret, said Haiti with a solemn air. Mrs. Vance moved a step nearer, impressed in spite of herself by the eerie witch-like gestures and sepulchral air of the speaker. Lady, a few nights ago a fair young girl was murdered within these stately walls. Ah, you tremble. She trembled, too, when the jealous woman stole into her room, turned the key in the lock, and struck her down as she stood looking at her sweet reflection in her bridal dress. Yes, struck her down with a brutal dagger thrust in her heart. The wicked murderess stooped to see if her guilty work was done, then escaped down the ladder of vines that climbed up to the window. The jury said that the poor girl committed suicide. But we know better. Do we not, beautiful lady? You are a fiend! cried Mrs. Vance from the chair where she had sunk down, still clutching the heavy purse of gold coins in her cold hand. You lie! No one murdered her. She died by her own hand. Lady, I shall not tell my secret to any one but you, said Haiti with a low and fiend-like laugh. Now will you give me the gold? 
Never. You have come here to blackmail me. You wish to frighten me by trumped-up suspicion. I will not buy your silence, cried Mrs. Vance passionately. Very well, lady. I will go to Mr. Lawrence. I will go to Mr. Darling. I will tell them what I have told you, said the lace vendor, rising to leave. Stay. Who knows this lying tale besides yourself? No one, lady. I, Haiti Leverett, am the only witness of your crime, and you can buy my silence with that purse of gold, said the old crone, sepulchrally. Take it, then, said Mrs. Vance, flinging it down at her feet, and keep the secret till your dying day. You need not return to blackmail me again. That is all the gold I have. I am a poor woman. I can get no more to give you. The old woman gathered up the purse of coins, hid it in her bosom, and trotted out, mouthing and mumbling to herself. Mrs. Vance fell down upon the floor in writhing terror. My sin has found me out, she cried, wringing her white hands helplessly. Oh, Lancelot, Lancelot, it was all for you. A lucky day, said old Haiti to herself as she trotted down the street. A fine piece of work and well paid for, a purse of gold and a diamond. Well, well. She stopped and took poor Lily's note from her pocket where it had lain concealed, and tearing it into minute fragments, threw it into the street. A gentleman passing by observed the action curiously. It was Mr. Lawrence. Ah, if he had but known whose hand had written the note whose coarse brown fragments lay under his feet, if he had but turned and followed that hideous old witch, what months of sorrow might have been spared him? But he did not know, and he went on to his home, bowed and heartbroken, while old Haiti trotted quickly past, crooning a low tune in the pride of her gratified avarice and cunning. As she went into the door of her home, Dr. Pratt came in suddenly after her. "'Now where have you been, Haiti?' he asked suspiciously. "'Only to market, doctor,' said she, trembling, sidling past him with the basket on her arm. He found his patient restless and excited. She was tossing uneasily from side to side of the bed, and her cheeks were flushed and feverish. He took the small hand and found the pulse bounding rapidly beneath his touch. "'This will not do,' said he. "'You must not excite yourself unduly.' The door opened, admitting Haiti with a bowl of fresh arrowroot. Lily looked wistfully beyond her, but she was quite alone. She saw in Haiti's cautious, negative shake of the head that her mission had failed. She fell back, crushed with her disappointment. "'Come, take your nourishment,' said Pratt kindly. She shook her head. A choking sensation arose in her throat and she could not swallow. She determined to make one appeal to this grim-looking man. Doctor, she said, clasping her hands imploringly, I appeal to your honor, to your generosity, to your humanity, to restore me to my home and father. Dr. Pratt shook his head decisively. It is impossible for me to do that, he answered. You are in the power of Mr. Colville. I am merely employed by him to attend you in your illness. You must make your appeal to him. He is a villain, a designing wretch, she broke out indignantly. I will make no appeal to him. But doctor, if you will go and tell my father where to find me, I will give you five thousand dollars the day I am liberated from this prison house. He laughed and drew a newspaper from his pocket. Putting it in her hands, he directed her attention to a marked paragraph. She read it with streaming eyes. It ran simply. Much sympathy has been excited for the Lawrence family in the painful discovery that the body of Miss Lily Lawrence has been stolen from the vault of her father. 
The well-known wealth of the great banker makes it seem probable that the foul deed was committed with a view to a heavy ransom. It will be seen in our reward column that Mr. Lawrence offers $10,000 for the return of the corpse. So your father offers more for the repose of your dead body than you do for your living one, he said, laughing. No, Miss Lawrence, I cannot accept your munificent bribe. My duty to Mr. Colville forbids, and au revoir, I must be going. I leave you some medicine, and we'll see you again tomorrow. Take the best care of her, Haiti. He went away, and they heard the hall door clang behind him. Lily turned to her silent attendant. Haiti, you did not go, she murmured in a reproachful tone. Oh, yes, I did, miss, but your father was not there, readily answered the treacherous old woman. Oh, then you left the note for him, and also your address, said Lily in a more hopeful tone. I that I did, miss, said old Haiti, lying glibly. I gave it to a very pretty lady. It was my sister Ada, then, said Lily. No, miss, your sister lies ill of a fever. I gave it to a lady called Mrs. Vance, lied Haiti, watching the patient's face keenly. A startling change swept over the girl's white features. Fear, terror, resentment, all were blended in that look. Oh, she cried, then indeed I have no hope of release. She will not give the letter to my father. She is my murderess. She tried to kill me. She will come here and make her fatal work sure. Watch for her, Haiti. Do not allow her to enter here. She will kill me. Indeed, she will kill me. Oh, me, honey, I am so sorry that I gave her the note, said Haiti artfully. But do not be afraid. She shall not come here to finish her devil's work. No, not she, my poor dearie. Alas, alas, poor Lily. Dr. Pratt's opiates could not bring oblivion of her troubles that night. She raved and tossed through the long and weary night, while Haiti, thoroughly alarmed, was very glad to see the physician's face quite early the next morning. That concludes this week's installment of The Bride of the Tomb. Tune in each week for the latest chapters released on Thursdays. Please note that due to the holiday, there will not be a new chapter next week. The Bride of the Tomb will resume the following week. This production of The Bride of the Tomb features the voice talents of Laura Bang and Damien Katz. Chris Hallberg voices the intro and outro narratives. The theme music is The Guava Rag by Brett Donnelly. Midi Storytime in the Spare Chambers Library produced by Lancelot Darling and Friends. This podcast is brought to you by DimeNovels.org, the Edward T. LeBlanc Memorial Dime Novel Bibliography.